Anoush on Facebook, for example, asks, is it possible to tell how many people survived? Well, we heard reports that two or three people may have survived. Uh, we did meet one man who said that he ran away uh, uh, and got injured when he threw himself to the ground to avoid uh, shooting. Um, we didn't meet anybody else that said they'd been involved. Uh, it's a very difficult and confusing situation there. There were claims that dozens of people have been killed, but there were no bodies, which was unusual. Um, there were dead livestock lying around, but someone had done a pretty tidy job trying to clear away any evidence that would have told us exactly what happened in this village. So um, it's, it's very difficult and it's very complicated. There's a number of people asking a similar question. Uh, James in Indianapolis asks on Facebook, who is responsible? Collins in Kenya says, who do you think did this from your own context or clues? Pro-Assad people or the anti-government people? I'm sure, again, it's too early to precisely say this, but are there any clues or leads or any way in which we might know at this stage who might be responsible for what happened in Kuban? Well, the, the villagers that I spoke to said that it was a Alawite militia from a neighboring village that came and killed the people in these two or three houses on this hilltop. Uh, one suggested it may have been basically a feud that was being settled under the increasingly sectarian nature of this, nature of this conflict. Um, the UN said it was too unclear to say. The authorities said that the killings were carried out by what they call terrorists, by which they mean armed members of the opposition, and that they had gone into the village to, to kill the terrorists and that they had indeed killed 17 of them. What doesn't add up is the fact that there were no bodies there. Um, if a massacre had taken place by, in inverted commas, terrorists, not many terrorist groups take their bodies with them. Um, if it was a militia, the militia are unlikely to have taken the bodies away either. What it may have been and the kind of the mood or the sense of it from the people that I spoke to it may have been that this is another militia out of the direct day-to-day, minute-by-minute control of the government, settling a sectarian feud, and the army has gone in afterwards to basically try and clear up some of the evidence. Now, I can't say that's the truth. I may be wrong. But what I do know is that there were tracks on the road the UN said could only have been made by military vehicles, either armoured vehicles or tanks, and the opposition groups don't have those. So the questions for the army are, when did they get there? What did they do while they were there? And what happened to the bodies of these people? Daniel's asked this question. He's talking about uh, media organisations referring to Syria being on the brink of civil war. Daniel says his opinion is that Syria is already in a civil war. Um, and I think he's wondering, uh, from what you're seeing around you, you've covered other conflicts too, Paul, of course. Um, what is the nature of the conflict? Is it possible to say there is a civil war or not? No, I don't think there is a civil war yet because the entire country is not in flames. And a civil war, by definition, means that it, it has consumed the entire country. I mean, in the middle of, of Damascus, you could forget where you are, although we've just heard reports that there was an explosion near the aviation uh, security. Uh, there's a big black plume of smoke hanging over Damascus. Uh, we, we've heard reports that that may have been a, been, a, been a bomb, although we can't confirm that yet. The roads have been sealed off and we were diverted away from the area. But look, the reality is that when this conflict began, we all saw it in black and white terms. There are now many shades of grey in this conflict. There are not only uh, sectarian militias that seem to be operating, perhaps. We've now 
spiraled away from the government's uh, direct day-to-day control, although obviously the government is in large control uh, of the area and could rein people in if I suspect they wanted to, but not necessarily minute by minute. You also have uh, what activists said to me in Lebanon was a risk of a radicalization of some of the opposition groups who were getting frustrated by the lack of intervention, lack of help from the Western world, and were starting to listen to voices that were saying the only way to fight this is, is through jihad. And then there is a third force, and you may remember that Kofi Annan talked about a third actor when he gave his mm. statement at the UN, and what he's talking about are the possibility that jihadi groups have already come into the country, that they are the ones carrying out these explosions. These are people that have been trained and tested in the, in the, in the battlefields of Iraq and Afghanistan, and they've come home, and they are now fighting uh, a jihad, uh, which is uh, an Islamic uh, war. And there is one more element, and that is that there are regional uh, countries here, like Saudi Arabia and Qatar, who really would quite like to settle the score they have with Iran in Syria. They see that, as far as they're concerned, Iran won when Iraq fell apart and the Americans had to leave, and there now is a Shia-led government in Iraq. They would quite like to redress the balance in Syria because they feel that Iran was strengthened by what happened in Iraq, and they'd quite like to see it weakened by what happens in Syria. So it is very, very mm. complicated. It's not a simple revolution like we had in Libya or we had in Egypt or in Tunisia. We have not got to the stage yet of a, of a civil war, but at the moment there doesn't seem to be an awful lot to stop us going there. Paul, there's one last quick question from Bill who posts on Facebook from Greece. He's asking, uh, are there other observers there from international organisations? I think you were travelling, weren't you, with the UN team today. D- do they seem to have freedom to move where they want or not? Yes, they did. Uh, and to be fair to the authorities, they did allow them to go through the security checkpoints today and there was nobody um, stopping us going up to Kabir village. But then it also has to be said that they were denied access for 24 hours and when we did get there... Well, the bodies had gone. So the UN will be questioning why it took so long for them to get in and why when they get there was much of the evidence apparently taken away. Um, Those are some questions that they'll no doubt be putting to the authorities. I think the key point here is that we need to recognise that this conflict is becoming incredibly complex. Um, we, We simply don't know who all the players are. We simply don't know to what extent the Syrian government may have hooked uh these militia groups up and then perhaps lost some control over them because the timing of the massacre in Kabir was appalling for the for the Syrian government they knew that Kofi Annan was going to the UN uh on Thursday it was very very bad timing for them which makes me think this wasn't necessarily under anyone's instruction this may simply have been people carrying out sectarian violence in the in the chaotic vacuum that's been created by the the, the, the situation in Syria.